Welcome to this episode of Reading the Bible Responsibly. Today we're going to talk about everyone's favorite topic in the Bible, money and rich people. Thank you to Wes, good friend and listener who asked me to address this topic. In Luke 18.25, Jesus says that it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. What on earth does he mean by that? Is there some story behind camels and needles that we've lost in translation? Is Jesus saying that rich people go to hell? What could this passage mean? The passage in question comes as part of a larger story of crowds coming to Jesus and people asking him questions. A little bit before today's passage, Jesus has told a parable about a persistent widow, he's told a story about a Pharisee and a tax collector praying, and he's welcomed little children even when his disciples, these would be, I guess, in this situation, his handlers, tried to shoo the children away. So then we get to the next story. A certain ruler comes to ask a question. We'll pick up the reading in Luke 18, 18, where the ruler asks, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. All these I've kept since I was a boy, he, the ruler, said. Notice that the ruler asks, what must I do? One of the issues here is there was, and always has been, a misconception that one can act, and maybe even particularly in this story, one can buy one's way into eternal life. And that's part of the issue here. This is no halfway serious ruler. He has kept the law, but it's not enough. We pick up the reading in verse 22. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, You still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. So we know that selling all possessions was not a universal requirement for salvation. Jesus never makes that demand elsewhere. And neither does Peter or Paul or any other early church leaders. There are certainly continued calls for sacrifice, but not the requirement to sell everything. So what's going on so far? It seems like there is this exaggerated demand to show this man that he won't ever be able to do enough to earn his salvation. Here's the end of the story, verse 23. When he, this ruler, heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. Jesus looked at him and said, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who's rich to enter the kingdom of God. There's our key phrase. It's a pretty harsh statement. People have tried to figure out what to do with it. There are two broad approaches that some have taken to try to make sense of this. One approach is to look for some uh, archaeological reference to the needle's eye. So there are are some who've pointed to um, some gate that existed in the uh, Middle East. And once you get a gate in mind, then The teaching seems to be something like, look, a camel can go through this gate, but you've got to unload the camel, then the camel can pass through. You know, you can't bring all your stuff with you through the gate. And so the rich people, you know, they have to unload a few things. The problem is there's really not good evidence for any gate being called the needle's eye. There was some correspondence in the 1800s to a man named F.W. Farrar. 
that spoke of a gate named the Needle's Eye, but that's never really been validated. And in fact, another longtime Middle Eastern resident named G. N. Scherer, who became aware of this correspondence and this theory about the passage, said there's just not the slightest shred of evidence that there's a well-known gate called the Eye of the Needle. So that interpretation doesn't really work for us. Another thing is that people have noticed that in some versions of this, as, as the Greek gets translated through the ages in some manuscripts, um, there's a different word used for camel. So the Greek word for camel is camelon, K-A-M-E-L-O-N, and the word for rope is very similar, camelon, K-A-M-I-L-O-N. This can make some sense because rope is actually in the same family of objects as a needle. So if it's rope, it's kind of like, hey, a rope, it's hard to get it through the eye needle, but it can be done. You know, you just got to thread it carefully. So it becomes about a task that's difficult, but not impossible. You may know that through the ages as the text got copied, there would be some of these small discrepancies. We think probably this might have happened because of uh, copyists and scribes working with the text and who they themselves were confused about this idea of a camel, and they assumed, well, it's got to be rope, so they fixed it because they assumed it was an error and they thought they were helping it make sense. But it it doesn't show up uh, in the history of transmission in these manuscripts to an extent that we think that rope is the correct reading. Even as far back as the 11th century, there was a man named Ibn al-Tayyib. He's a thinker and writer and church authority. He, even that far back, discarded this theory that it's talking about rope. So if the approach of a gate called the needle's eye doesn't make sense, and if it's not about rope, what's going on with this passage? Our third approach might be to let this stand as it is and examine it a little bit further. The camel was one of the largest animals in Mesopotamia. So this would have been in the culture in which this story is getting told. So you can see how Jesus is perhaps picking one of the largest animals they would have known to make a point. It's hyperbole. It's a way to say it's really hard. It's so hard that the biggest animal would have to go through one of the smallest objects. So is Jesus here then saying that there's like an inverse or opposite relationship between say, the amount of money in your bank account and your probability of entering the kingdom of God? I don't think that's what's happening. Let's keep reading in this story and see how Jesus wraps it up. Look at verse 26. The people who heard this story asked, who can be saved? And Jesus replied, what is impossible with man is possible with God. And Peter said, we have left all we had to follow you. Truly, I tell you, Jesus said to them, no one who's left home or wife or brothers or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God, will fail to receive as many times as much in this age and in the age to come eternal life. I think Jesus is affirming God's work in saving people, not their own work. And the idea then is, if you think you can accumulate your way into eternal life, try the opposite. Reading this passage responsibly matters because money is definitely covered in Scripture. And we're called to steward it carefully. Those who've been given much are expected to be responsible and generous with it. So the Bible definitely does talk about money. And wealthy people, I think, do have some special considerations to think about. But I don't think this passage is saying that rich people, by virtue of their simply being rich, can't enter the kingdom of God. I think the passage is saying that rich people's wealth can't buy them into heaven You can't accumulate yourself into salvation, that anyone's salvation is a miracle and a gift from God.
Thanks for listening. If you haven't taken the time to follow or subscribe to the podcast and leave a rating or review, I'd greatly appreciate that. We continue to get new listeners, people referring this, and so that's really helpful. I've been grateful for those words of encouragement and that feedback. Please continue to do that. Thanks for listening. We will see you next time.